Wonderful. We should be both recording at the same time. All right. Yay. <sighs> we get to do this again. Across the world from each other. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And it's it's so sh- shiny and bright there where you are and here it's dark. <laughs> dark and gloomy. That's the difference between the difference between Australia and the US, is that right? It's so bright and shiny yes. over here. And perhaps also our personalities. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 the sunshine and I'm the storm cloud. <laughs> that's so. that's not true at all. Joy Brownty. We take turns. How about that? You can be sunshiny one day and I'll be a storm cloud the next day. (laughs) Okay. The Deep Place on creativity and spirituality. My name is Joy Prouty. And I'm Joel McCarrow. Welcome to our podcast. We are born into a landscape. We are born into the earth that is around us. And, and this earth, she holds us and, and she is alive and we are alive and we are one with her. That still small voice, I think it's, it's Mary Oliver. It, she knows the language, how to get in. She, she speaks the same language as the small voice where no one else seems to be able to translate. What, and I'm thinking, what is that small voice saying? I can't, I, I, I can't understand it at all. And then I read her poem, or I hear you speak, Joel, and, I, and then I, it's the translator. Today, uh, I just found out, and you just found out that Mary Oliver passed away. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> the inspiration for all things lovely. It's such a sad day to, to grieve her and, and a day to celebrate her life and her poetry and all that kind of stuff as well. But she's been, and I know for you, she's been hugely influential for my work. Um, in so many ways. Yes, well, I think in, in some ways... Th- what you've done for me is what she did for me, uh, is give me permission to mm. sit in things that are uncomfortable and heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Her, one of the things that I loved most about Mary Oliver was her way of taking uh, the deep things of life and also the, um, the materiality mm. of life and combining those two things. Like... So we've talked, I know we talked about on a few episodes ago of this podcast that Mary Oliver would go out into um, nature. Her creative discipline was taking a pen and pad with her every day, going out and observing the world around her, the animals and the, um, and the earth and the trees and the everything and bringing that into her poetry um, yes. and, and kind of within that, seeing that deeper reality that happens um, that is all around us that we so often miss. Her physical observations then led to kind of spiritual observations. Yes. So beautiful, the interlinking of the two. Yes, yes. And just, I mean, so much of what she spoke about and wrote, wrote about was about the end, about wanting to soak up every morsel of life so that when the end came, the, the, the transition came, that she would have known that she, she soaked up every tiny bit. And then also the acknowledgement of knowing she gave all her gifts, you know, like there, she was only meant to give that many, you know, even though we would want more. 
Heavy by Mary Oliver. That time I thought I could not go any closer to grief without dying. I went closer and I did not die. Surely God had his hand in this, as well as friends. Still, I was bent, and my laughter, as the poet said, was nowhere to be found. Then said my friend Daniel, brave even among lions, it's not the weight you carry, but how you carry it. Books, bricks, grief, it's all in the way you embrace it, balance it, carry it, when you cannot and would not put it down. And so I went practicing. Have you noticed? Have you heard the laughter that comes now and again out of my startled mouth? How I linger to admire, admire, admire the things of this world that are kind and maybe also troubled. Roses in the wind, the sea geese on the steep waves, a love to which there is no reply. Why do you like that poem so much? Oh, well, what? there's not one part I don't love or feel really close to. Uh, towards the end, it says, uh, how I linger to admire the things of the world that are kind and maybe also troubled. Roses in the wind. So my grandma, she was the one who taught me <laughs> to be an artist. It gave me the okay to do that. She would any time she would see a rose, she would say, "Only God, only God could make a flower." And she taught me to stop and linger, and and I I know she carried so much weight, and I you know I'm learning to let go of the same weight that I think I carry of hers, um, but it it becomes a little lighter, and I think that's why she practiced it without thinking of it as a, a practice, but she began, she lived her life in the practice of looking for the things to lighten the weight. One day, you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, It was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voice behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice, which you slowly recognised as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life that you could save. What a beautiful reminder for us to... uh, I mean, that's the story of all of us, especially as creative artists, isn't it? All the voices 
that are all around us, those those voices that are like yes, the voices. people grabbing onto our ankles, dragging the voices, the voices, the people like grabbing onto our ankles, dragging us back. I think about my son who loves to climb mm. on my one leg and then my daughter who grabs onto <laughs> the other leg and the weight, the weight that uh. that is to keep on walking um, wow. and how the voices in our life are doing the same thing, all the demanding voices saying, come mend my life, come mend my life, and then the choice to kick my kids off my feet, <laughs> the choice to to get rid of those voices mm. and to walk and listen to the one voice inside that matters. Oh, such a good reminder for us creative people. Yes. Uh, I love everything you said there. And at the end, when you said that one small voice, I think it's, we don't hear it because, and I loved what you said about your children, because I'm going to have to tell my husband that same um, metaphor of pulling the children along Mm. because, you know, it's, I think if, if, if he, he thinks, why am I so overwhelmed? Well, if you imagined yourself with all of the children and me on each leg, you couldn't move. Well, of course, this is how you feel every day. But, um, that small voice because the children and the, in the life and all the demands and, you know, yeah. the resistance is so loud. That still small voice. Yeah. I think it's, it's Mary Oliver. It, she knows the language, how to get in. She, she speaks the same language as the yeah. small voice where no one else seems to be able to translate what, and I'm thinking, what is that small voice saying? I can't, I, I can't understand it at all. Huh. And then I read her poem or yeah. I hear you speak Joel and I, and then I, it's the translator. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The poem is the translator of the small voice. Is that what you mean? Yes. Ah, I really like that idea. It comes back to the importance of creativity again, that creativity is the translator of the small voice inside for all of us. Yes, the artist. Therefore, like anyone who says I'm not creative, as we know many of our friends do, it's it's actually it actually inhibits them from listening to that small voice. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the voices of the people that are actually audibly speaking about the thing we're creating are so much louder than the still small voice sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't they? The still small voice is very quiet. I think of, um, it, it reminds me as well all about um, kind of the idea of calling and things like that in life. Um, calling as and listening to your bigger calling in life and how that gets we get so distracted by career and work and um and the western dream and progress and all the things we're meant to have and and it just takes these moments to choose to slow down to listen to the words that your life is trying to say to that that inner (laughs) voice that is saying this is who you are not not kind of calling or vocation as something that's out there that we have to chase, but it's this idea of listening to that mm-hmm. inner quiet voice and being willing to run with that, to go with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, the still small voice, I think it, it always hides in a fracture, you know, so I think it takes <laughs> a lot of courage <laughs> to, to lean into the fracture. Oh, what do you mean by that, always hides in a fracture? Well... 
the, the still small voice is the, our child, you know, mm-hmm. our, our, our calling, our light of divinity, our, uh, the, the opus that lives inside us, which is actually who we are with all of the things stripped away. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we're grown, I mean, it was very easily accessible when we were younger, but yeah. then all those loud voices came and all the things were dragging and the weights were carrying and the things that I inherited or the things that I learned or all of those things, they're so loud and heavy and yeah. everything starts to hurt and the body is full of stress and carrying all these burdens and, the, and, 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 and we don't realize there's so many walls around our heart that it's usually the place of the fracture in which the small voice hides. It's like hiding, like it's like, will you find me? Yeah. I'm here. Can you hear me? I'm I'm trying to call to you, but it takes us looking at the things that hurt, that have hurt us, that are causing wow. the hole in there to grow. The hole has to get bigger, which means our our heart stretches, and that's the only way that we can we can hear the voice. And so poetry stretches stretches the hole, the fracture opens, but it's painful, and that's mm-hmm. why a lot of poetry I think is about pain. You're the poet. You tell me. <laughs> What do you, do you, I mean, it's, it's, it's this, it's, it's the heaviness, right? It's a heaviness that makes you have to write something. Absolutely. But it's also, I think it's also the reason why, um, one of the reasons why we procrastinate and why we don't write the poetry that we need to write is because it means tapping into those, uh, fractured spaces, those flawed spaces, those, um, listening to the voice that comes out of our hurts and our wounds it's really hard. Like that's not an easy thing to do or want to do. Um, but when you get to, it's like I, I describe it to some students sometimes. It's almost like we have this balloon inside of us and we start the things of life start like blowing up that balloon and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger um, until it feels like it's going to pop, that overwhelming feeling of, of, mm. of everything is about to explode in my life. And I explain it that it's like poetry writing. Creativity is, is, is this letting out air out of the top of that balloon, like just letting out mm. some of the air to bring that balloon back from explosive point. Um, but I always explain it as well. What happens when you let out air out of a balloon like that? Like when you pull the top, is that like squeal happens? Screaming. Um, and that's kind of a little, yeah, that, that's kind of like the sound that happens inside us when we choose to go into those places. There is this, oh, I see this awful stuff that is there. But if I can see the, the shadow, that's when I can yes. begin to transform it so that I see the light in it mm. as well. And that's when it becomes that voice that we need to listen to. The place of perseverance. The place of perseverance in the midst of all these things grabbing at our ankles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Listening. Um, I have. Can I tell you a little story about listening? Yes. Um, that kind of really definitely relates and comes into this is um, learning how to listen to. Because often I think what happens for me is I have all these choices, I have all these things, and I get choice anxiety. Um, <laughs> and you have all the voices that are demanding, demanding, demanding. And so listening to the inner voice, I think similar like in a spirituality sense is listening to the inner voice and listening to the voice of the divine as well. And, and I remember waking up this one morning, and um, it was the morning of my 25th birthday. Um, I was like startled awake and, and opened 
my eyes because I felt like I heard a voice, which is really, really strange. Those those wacko people that think that they hear audibly <laughs> God's voice. Yep, I'm one of those. Um, it, that's what it felt like. It felt like someone was calling me and it was and this voice saying Joel. Um, and I woke up like that experience of waking up, like what, what the heck is happening? Like really, um, I don't know, uh, just sleep instantly gone and I'm wide awake sitting in my bed and I just felt then this like in this feeling of you need to go for a walk go for a walk this was maybe like five o'clock in the morning maybe 5 30 the sun just kind of rising so I went for this walk and it was one of those incredible walks where where it felt like the whole world was alive around me. Like what I picture Mary Oliver walking through her, the forests that she would walk through in her life and just and all those little details like coming out, almost like magnifying glass coming out, seeing them so clearly and beautifully. Um, and my, my heart was just like expand, expanding, like overflow. It was one of those walks that just felt like I was walking in the presence of the divine. Like everything was glowing. The colors felt richer and deeper and clearer. And um, it, was, it was incredible, um, like absolutely incredible. Um, and then, I, yeah, yeah, so good. And then I remember... Um, I remember I came down to like I came down to the river, so I, I walked down. We were living in the in a forest at that point, um, and I came down to a river, and it had been raining the last few days, pouring rain, and the river was overflowing and and coming down. And I kind of stood there, kind of the swollen waters of the river, and and where there were normally islands, there was now this raging torrent, and um, and in kind of the swirls and the chaos like I sat there and it was one of those all of it was like the world was speaking to me saying this is this is what your life is normally like like the crazy chaotic mm. chaos everything the loud like I could hear the roar of the water um and the in the chaos of my life then was like just to the side was this cool calm placid uh, little um I don't know what you'd call it little part coming off the river um, and it was like this invitation to go into that place, into this this quiet place. Um, and so then I kept, like, it was really beautiful. So then I kept on moving, and I remember I went up, um, and I came to, like, up from the river, I came to a fork in the road, um, in the path, not in the road, in the path that I was on, um, and there was, like, this this thing within me I was like oh okay I'll walk down the right hand side of the fork it was like left or right and I was like I'll walk down the right and so I started walking down the right and then I'm like oh maybe I was meant to walk down the left like I'd spent I, I was kind of wrestling with myself going oh I'm, I'm trying to listen to God to the divine to myself and be guided on this walk through the forest and I don't want this to end maybe I'm walking down suddenly like this fear maybe I'm walking down the wrong track Maybe I've picked, I was meant to go down the left. So I came back and then I'm like, okay, I'll walk down the left. And then, and then a little few steps down that I'm like, no, 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 maybe this is wrong as well. Oh, maybe I'm meant to be on the right. And I started getting this in this beautiful experience. I started feeling such anxiety that I'd gone on the wrong path. Um, and I'm worrying. I stop in my tracks and and I just, I totally lost that all that that morning was. And I was like, what the heck? And then, so I came back to the fork 
and I'm like, okay, I just need to, I just need to quieten down the chaos and craziness that's happening in my head right now, the anxiety over this ridiculous thing, and just stop and be present. And I remember hearing what I felt like was hearing from God. These words in my head was like um, the words said, "Let me remember. I want to remember the the exact words." It said. Um, I was like, what, what path do I go down was what I was asking. And the words came back, it doesn't even matter. As, as long as you are present to the sound of the water, then either path is enough. As long as you can hear I could, where I was, I could hear that sound of the water. Both are as good as the other, left or right, it doesn't matter. You, sh- you won't miss out because you choose the wrong path. You'll miss out because you're so anxious to choose the right path and you'll lose yourself in the worry and step out of being present. So the voice, God, myself, whatever that that beautiful moment was, was saying, listen to the water. If you can hear the water, if you can hear the, the deeper thing, if you can be present to the deeper thing, choose left or right, and it doesn't matter. I feel like I uh, do I applaud? Do I? <laughs> um, thank you. Uh-huh. That that gives me great peace because every day I come up. I mean, first of all, hold on. That wow, Joel. <laughs> I can't even go into thank a thing about myself you. without acknowledging. Wow. Uh, but when you were talking about what God's saying, I mean, it was as though I was hearing him speak to me through mm. you in the retelling of that beautiful experience. Mm. Thank you. Oh, it was, it was incredible. And it's shaped a lot of my, a lot of my thinking about, about like listening to, um, coming back to listening and about calling and about vocation and about like all that worry about, do I do this or do I do that? Should I, should I go this way? Should I accept that job? Should I do this? It's almost like, and we often have that thing, especially those of us, both of us, well, I've, I've grown up in Christian tradition that has this thing that like God has this specific plan for your life. And when you have that, when you have that pressure, it's like, Oh, now, well, I've missed it. All right, I do this and I'm going to, am I going to miss this plan that God is meant to have for my life rather than just walking along and knowing that if I'm present to myself and if I'm present to the sound of the river, present to God, then no matter what I choose, whether I choose to, um, to work in this job or that job or that job, really, it doesn't actually matter in the big picture of everything. It's any of these things will be God's plan for your life it's like god doesn't give us a a a path to walk that's this is the only path you have to travel it's like god gives you a a compass and says go in that direction this is the direction we're heading go in that direction or or like a i don't know not a not a straight path to walk on but just like a field to play in a playground to play in and get and get lost in and that's Mm. that's much more i think what it is to listen like mary's talking about (sighs) I love that. It's, you know, I, I, at least for what I've thought my whole life, I'm looking for this beam of light. You know, I I went to, uh, 
Antelope Canyon, you're not from here, but it's this beautiful canyon shaped out of, you know, it's, it's shaped out of water, these slot canyons, but the color of the sand that has been made into these formations, it's, it's like, it's red, but it's orange, but it's yellow, but it's a rainbow, but there's this light, this beam of light that comes in. And when you throw the dust under there, it creates this beam. And that, you know, it was like, I've been see, I wanted that picture when we went there. I was wanted that picture of my daughter standing in the beam. Mm. Like it was the way you're talking about purpose is I think the way that I've been so much about my whole creative journey. And even before that was, it's like, I thought I would be a missionary. And now I'm realizing a missionary Mm. is not at all what I thought they were, you know, this (laughs) title it's, we are each missionaries. Our mission field is every square inch everywhere and wherever we project our song. Mm. But anyway, I wanted this picture so bad, just in this beam of light. And I've been looking for, where is the beam shining on that one place? And it's instead we went there and there was no light that day. And so, and there was tons of people, and it was wow. totally not the way that I was expecting it to be. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, she leaned up against the side of the wall and she just looked up and I took this picture and I thought, oh, I probably got nothing. You know, I was so frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I looked later and I realized it was so dark. There was no beam of light, but there was this, this, um, like a, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like golden hour was descending from the the slot, that fracture in the rock where the light was pouring through and only her face was really illuminated. And it wasn't the way I had ever planned, Mm. but it's, 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 it's what you're saying there in this new, this way, this way of unlearning I'm learning as well is it's so beautiful what you're said and how it's connecting to my journey. But I don't have to. I don't have. I don't have to worry so much about finding the beam of light. Mm-hmm. Just have to look up, and it's everywhere. Oh, so beautiful. Imagine if that's how we could live our lives, like in the everydayness of our life. If we stop the, if we try to move out of our anxiety and our stress about getting yes. this this thing right, about getting that beam of light, about going the, down the right path, and and just seek to be as present as we can. What yes. What would open up for us would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Would be all the worlds that Mar- yeah. Mary Oliver writes about. Um, I think of also of um, <laughs> Parker. Par- do you know Parker Palmer? Oh, you know, Let Your Life Speak. Yeah, I think of Let Your Life Speak. I've got, um, let me just find, I've got a quote here from him around, around this. Um here it is. Vocation. So vocation is is calling, but it's yes. This is my favorite quote. Yes. <laughs> well, he's got many <laughs> quotes that start with vocation. Vocation. I know. <laughs> vocation does not come from willfulness. It comes from listening. I must listen to my life mm. and try to understand what it's truly about. Quite apart from what I would like it to be about, all my life will never represent anything real in the world, no matter how earnest my intentions. That insight is hidden in the word for vocation itself, which is rooted in the Latin word for voice. Vocation does not mean a goal I pursue. It means a calling that I hear. Before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. Isn't that wonderful? I wonder if it's the same with our creative projects as well. Like... I'm just thinking like we have all these things that we're like, well, this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to like, this is, or this is what I'm meant to do. This is as, especially as your creativity begins to become a thing, like part of your career and your, 
um, all that kind of thing and you're mixing career and vocation together and 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 then you go to work on something that doesn't feel right you go to I wonder if creativity as well is the um, the choosing to slow down to listen and creating out of those things that our that our inside life is calling us to the honoring and listening to those things um not just what we feel like we should be creating like i should be doing i don't know sometimes i feel like oh, i'm doing lots of writing i'm not doing enough slam poetry and i'm known as a slam poet i need to write a really good i need to write a really good social justice focused slam poem because i've got this thing coming up um and a part of career is that you have to like you have to write to those things that people want you to write out absolutely but i think the best creativity comes out of um, in that same way, that listening before I can tell my creativity what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life, to my inside voice telling me who I am and create out of that place. Yes, I agree. And, and I, I think that place could also be the fracture, you know, creating what, what is the thing that we feel the most heavy towards or what is the thing you know what is the thing I was watching a TED talk and we watch TED talks a lot but I was watching this TED talk about this woman that had found the way that our body is attacked by sugar when it comes to developing diabetes and she was so pumped up she had been diagnosed when she was eight um, my brother is also a diabetic and so I you know I feel close to that but I was just watching her as she was speaking you know singing her life's song her life's message was to help people to not get sick to try and save people. And I thought, you know, every Uber driver that I talk to and I say, why are you driving here? And, you know, it's always, you know, what Stephen Pressfield calls the shadow careers. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they're doing this thing and that it all comes down to helping people. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't doing that, what would the job be that they were doing instead? And it would be being a doctor or a nurse or, you know, just a, a, a more prestigious version of helping people. Yeah. And so I just thought, you know, the fracture, the place where they once helped someone or the place where they were hurt. You know, they're singing their song of of saving mm. <laughs> out into the world. And mm. that's what we're all doing. And those people are alive. You yeah. know, with the TED Talks, they're just on fire. You know, they yeah, know yeah. that's their calling and their purpose. And it all started at a fracture somewhere. The meaning, wow. the purpose in it, the, the, the longing to use the creativity in that way to redeem Safe. Redemption is a great word for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Should we read another Mary poem or two? Yes, let's Mary. Yes, yes, please. Do you want to read what's another one that you love? Okay, well, loneliness is another one that I really love. Let me pull that up. All right, here. Okay, it's fairly short. Uh, Loneliness by Mary Oliver. I too have known loneliness. I too have known what it is to feel misunderstood, rejected, and suddenly not at all beautiful. Oh, Mother Earth, your comfort is great, your arms never withhold. It has saved my life to know this. Your rivers flowing, your roses opening in the morning, oh, the motions of tenderness. And that line, it has saved my life 
to know this. Mm. That line. That even in the midst of our loneliness, there is a mother who holds us. Yeah, and I think so much of loneliness. Um, I feel lonely when I'm inside. I very rarely feel lonely when I go outside and look up. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, one of my... I've been really impacted by... um, by Celtic spirituality. I think I'm not sure if I've talked about that on the podcast yet. I probably have. Um, (laughs) If not, I'll have to do a whole thing on it. Um, But one of the things that, um, that within the Celtic world that, that is upheld so beautifully that we get so wrong in our Western world um, is that we are born into a landscape. We are born into the earth that is around us and, and this earth, she holds us and, and she is alive and we are alive and we are one with her. Um, and therefore, in the midst of feeling lonely, uh, I can have a relationship with her, like even if there's no other person around. Um, like often we think of, um, I mean, yeah, I think of those people who who are passionate. I have many activist friends passionate about saving the earth from climate change, from how we how we totally screw the earth over. Um, but even those passionate about the earth, it can still be like this this um, monologue relationship. What would, the, what would the word be? This one, like I'm alive and the earth is inanimate. And one of the things I love about what Mary's saying here and what Celtic spirituality kind of upholds is that it's it's not this me to this inanimate thing materiality called the earth actually the earth is just as alive as I am and I can have a dialogue with her and I can be in her presence and she in my presence and and it is alive it is so alive and and full and to be held by her in the midst of the lonely times in my life has meant so much like you can just think of all those moments of sitting, watching sunsets, of, of, of when you're so crowded in your life and stuck inside and then you go to that open field, to that mountain, to that whatever it might be and suddenly you can just breathe yes. out and breathe deeper. Yes, I have a, a tiny story about that. Um, yeah, tell me. <laughs> uh, so this, this, I guess the past couple months I've been really diving headfirst into so much of exactly what you're talking about, seeing every bit of creation as, as alive as I am, you know, down to the bugs that we normally smash. And so I was home, mm-hmm. uh, home by myself. It's normally not that way. The house is normally really loud and, um, it was winter mm-hmm. and we hadn't really had any bugs, but uh, the ice started to hear this buzzing and uh, I I was looking around and I eventually found that it was this wasp that was on the wall and uh, normally if we see a wasp I'm the first one to smack it I mean I, I, I as though I own you know this is my house I own this house you do not belong here you are an invader so you're gonna die um, that's been my perspective my whole life not thinking that yeah. you know the wasp is serving a grand purpose and you know I've been anyway yeah. so I thought, well, I could kill it. You know, that was my first thing. And then I thought, well, what happens if I do something a little different today? Instead of letting my normal thought pattern choose this 
thing. I'm going to go the opposite way. Yeah. And, um, and so I went and got a glass and, you know, the wasps are pretty fairly aggressive. And this one, it was like it wanted me to take it outside. And so I came over with the jar and I had a magazine and I, you know, I just was able to put it right on there and got it in my jar. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was thinking, you know, what you were saying about your path, you know, I was thinking, okay, front door, back door. And then I thought it was just really because I had chosen to be sensitive to the wasp, you know, not to have any, you know, like uh, my ownership over killing it. Uh, I I went a more gentle route. And then I thought front door, back door. And I had that gentle feeling Oh, back door. You know, maybe that's where sometimes the, you know, more wildlife, backyard. And so then I walked out on the back porch and sat down on the thing and I opened it and it was like the, it was like the wasp just disappeared. I, you know, I thought, oh, my, it might come after me, but it just, it was like, then it was gone. I didn't see it. And I looked up towards the field because we have this big field behind us and this entire herd of deer just rose up out of the grasses and it you know you know deer is my thing and so to see one is a gift and we don't see many on our property and to have this entire herd I mean there were a lot and and I mean and then they just stood there and our grasses aren't even that tall and I had looked over there and I didn't see them but it was like it felt like this reward um for not killing the thing that I would normally be thoughtless about killing, right? It's so silly, but not, clearly not. And it was, it was the universe. It was God. It was a herd of deer that were nestled in my backyard that rose up and then they just started running. And the way they run, you know, the way they run is so majestic in their legs. And I just, I mean, it felt like I was in Narnia for a moment, you know, and I just sat there and I, and then it began to snow. It began to snow. You know, it was just, it was very, very special. And no one was home. It was this, you know, it just felt very sacred. And so ever since then, I've been, I have not killed any insects. Um, And I just, I know it's something silly, but it's maybe it's this one small thing where God is saying, all of creation, all of creation is alive. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Deep Place podcast. Uh, As we remembered Mary Oliver and all that she brought to the world uh, and talked about listening, slowing down and listening to that small inner voice, may it have inspired you to do the same, to be present to the self and to creation, to to the divine, to uh, be willing to open yourself up even to the deep fractures inside where that inner still small voice lies hiding. Uh, please do share some of your own stories with us on Facebook. There is the Deep Place podcast community. You can join there and I'd love to hear some stories like Joy shared about her deer and, uh, and wasp experience and me walking beside that river what are some stories from you in your life where you have been able to tap into that that voice that is whispering that is calling to us and and moving us into the fullness of what our lives could be Uh, join on the facebook podcast community and and share some stories there
This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Whitley College, a theology college in Melbourne, Australia. It's a place where I actually take it to teach uh, around a bunch of this stuff, around creativity, but also about some of the stuff we've been talking about today around vocation and calling and, and our purpose in this world. So check out whitley.edu.au. And as this episode comes to an end, I just want to take the time to thank these incredible musicians who allow their music to really amplify what this podcast is. Thanks to Tom Huey uh, from the UK uh, and David Andrew from Sydney and Joshua Furmeister uh, from Melbourne, Australia. Your music makes this all the better, what we get to do. Please do check out uh, all of their music on the uh, show notes below um, and you'll be able to see where it all comes from and follow them and listen to their music would be wonderful. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We will catch you again next time.